the way I see it is you're essentially getting the banks at a 30% discount to the market. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Following a red-hot inflation print earlier this week, many investors opted for an immediate sell-off, creating turbulence in the markets. In today's episode, portfolio managers Alfred Lee, Matt Montemoro, and your host Mark Reyes anticipate the Federal Reserve's response. They also discuss opportunities to hedge outside of gold, positioning equities in a barbell approach, and finding the best bargains in a volatile environment. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Reyes, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Once again, we really appreciate your time and appreciate you joining we're joined today by Alfred Lee and Matt Montemuro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk, covering equities, fixed income, and certainly aware of activity that's going on in the markets. So thanks to both of you for joining. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great. Well, let's get started because we've had another busy week and certainly a, a rocky day in the in the market yesterday. So we had the U.S. CPI come in at 8.3 which certainly the market wasn't expecting and leading to uh, an immediate sell-off. How do we think the Fed is next going to respond? And as you answer, let's think about how can we position fixed income ETFs and how can we position equity ETFs if we consider market activity? Thanks. Yeah, Mark, I can take this one and start off with the fixed income side of, of the ledger. You know, yesterday definitely was not a fun day in the markets for fixed income or equities. We saw risks sell off materially as inflation fears you know, reemerged. I think for a while this summer, we started to feel that some inflation fears were starting to subside. We were getting very positive and a little bit of a rosy outlook. And, and I think those, those uh, fears came roaring back yesterday. And I think as we said many times uh, on the podcast, you know, I, I think that we should expect volatility like this uh, to continue throughout the fall. You know, these types of surprises will continue. And, you know, I think as we try to reach uh, a new normal, a new uh, uh, ground, I think this is something that, you know, we got to position ourselves for these negative surprises, but also positive surprises. So, you know, I think these, this, the economic data right now is pretty volatile. And, and each month, I think the, the market kind of just sits, waits and, 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 and reacts kind of instantaneously. So, you know, after a red hot inflation print yesterday, you know, one of which many of the components uh, have rather sticky characteristics, which is definitely a concern. You know, I think that could mean hotter inflation for longer, you know, which would mean that this hiking cycle could last longer and go higher than the market was expecting. Again, 
I do think that the market started to price in a pretty rosy outlook with potential rate cuts in, in early uh, 2023. I think that, uh, you know, the market quickly course corrected yesterday and, and we saw a 10 year and long term yield spike, uh, you know, as the market again repriced risk on the news saying, okay, maybe we're, we're not doing as good a job uh, controlling inflation as maybe we hoped. And, and that the Fed is definitely going to have to hold firm for uh, longer to make sure that they do control inflation. So what does this mean for the Fed next week? You know, 75 basis points is looking like a certainty. It was uh, pricing in 50 basis points with a chance of 75. We basically immediately went to 75 basis points as a certainty and a chance of 100 basis points. You know, the, the Fed hasn't done that mega 100 basis point hike, so it will be interesting if this CPI print is the fuel they needed to to really make that major move. Um, you know, Bank of Canada did raise by 75 basis points uh, last week, uh, and we we look we look for that Canadian CPI print to tell us you know what maybe October uh, will 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 have in, in in store for us. So for me, what what does this tell me? This tells me that the market was a little too optimistic with you know how short the hiking cycle would would be. You know, I think it's already pricing, uh, pushing out those potential rate cuts another month or two into June 2023 from kind of that March-April range that we were we were looking at earlier in the week. That being said, you know, my view is that rate cuts that quickly seems a little bit too good to be true, and I think we'll we'll be in a hiking cycle for longer than we think. And I think the market again is pricing in a pretty rosy expectation. So if I were positioning my portfolio on the fixed income side. You know, I would really look to increase quality right now, and I would I would still shorten my duration. You know, I like ZQB and ZSP, and you know that's a short term and ultra short term product that allows you to shorten your duration while still providing you high quality corporate exposure. And you're getting yields right now at four percent, and it's a very very flat yield curve. So for me. I look at it and saying, you know, why take the additional duration risk right now with, with so much volatility potentially on the horizon if, if you're getting a very similar yield kind of almost across the curve. Also, I'd, I'd consider some maybe non, not as traditional fixed income in ZBI uh, in this environment. I would take advantage of the quality of Canadian banks. You know, you're getting access and you're getting exposure to the entire capital structure here in terms of bonds, LRCNs, PREFs, you know, everything except equities. Um, this is a, a credit that I trust. It's a credit that, that many Canadians trust in, in terms of their stability. And you're getting about a 5.3, 5.4% yield. So that additional yield should help you insulate from higher rates for longer. It's a duration, again, of two and a half years. So that's something that I would look at. How can I maximize my yield, but also shorten my duration uh, to kind of weather some of this uh, rate volatility that we, we expect this fall? So I would look at those three options, ZQB, ZST, and ZBI as options that would help help insulate the portfolio for some of the volatility, allow you to take advantage of some higher yields that we're seeing in the market. Um, and I think those should be well positioned for what could be a, a rockier fall than maybe we, we had anticipated uh, throughout the summer. But I can toss it over to Alfred to talk about some equity positioning. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, from the equity side of the portfolio, you know, I definitely agree with a lot of things that Matt is saying in terms of, you know, the inflation print from yesterday. I think it's also important to realize or to recognize that 
you know, to anticipate that inflation is going to come down in a straight line is a little bit unrealistic. So in terms of the silver lining in, in terms of yesterday's inflation print was that, you know, yes, it was higher than market expectations. So the market was expecting 8.1%. We got 8.3%. But the silver lining in all this is that you know, it was lower than last month's 8.5%, um, even though core inflation did go up. Um, so overall, in terms of equities, you know, I think the way to play it is, Omanon, who's a portfolio manager on our desk, he put out a trade idea a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a, a perfect way to describe how you want to play this market right now, given that, you know, yes, inflation potentially goes up uh, and we could continue to see further rate hikes. But at the same time, you know, over the long run, even though we did get that higher inflation print from yesterday, um, overall, you know, we could continue to see inflation go down after this as well. So, um, positioning equities, um, I think, you know, using a barbell approach as the outline, I think is a good way to play the market right now. So when you look at, you know, pairing up ETFs, a good pair that you may want to look at is pairing up, you know, low ball on the U.S. equity side. So ZLU, for example, uh, with NASDAQ, which is our ZNQ ETF. Um, so if you want further details on this trade-off, it's definitely on our dashboard. But essentially how the trade works is essentially... You know, when you look at ZLU, um, definitely if we see continued inflation, you know, the expectation is that it will continue to outperform. So when you look at ZLU year to date, it's not only outperformed the S&P 500 year to date, but it's delivered positive performance um, so far as well. So in, in this kind of a year when you know equities are down, bonds are down, you get positive returns. I think you have to take that as a bonus. Uh, on the other side of the barbell is using NASDAQ ZNQ. Um, it's underperformed year to date. No surprise there, given that, you know, growth has been penalized with the aggressive rate hikes that we've seen, you know, from the Fed and the Bank of Canada. Uh, tech specifically has been hit hard, given that um, it's really sensitive to rising interest rates. Essentially, you know, when you look at the NASDAQ, that's essentially what you're getting. You're getting higher growth names with a lot of tech as well. So if we do essentially see CPI over the next coming month start to come back in again, I think you know, all those headwinds and um, we've, we've seen with, you know, technology, higher growth stocks. Um, I think all of a sudden, you know, if the Fed starts pricing in 50 basis point rate hikes, potentially, you know, 25 basis point rate hikes somewhere in the near future, and the market is expecting that, you know, perhaps that inflation was, a, that inflation print was a one-off, higher growth stocks potentially are a good way to play and potentially will start seeing tailwinds, you know, somewhere in the near future. So, you know, playing the market using this barbell approach, I think, is a good way to uh, play the market right now. Um, I think it's very well positioned for either outcome. Um, but even when you look at both of those ETFs as a combination, it's also outperformed the S&P 500 with a lower volatility level as well. So, again, that's a good way to play. It. Again, if you want more details on this, uh, that trade idea is up on our uh, ETF dashboard. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Alfred. Let's continue with this in theme and turn to gold, which is down year to date. Why is it underperformed given inflation? And as you think about it more broadly, what are some other areas that investors can look at for inflation protection? That's a good question. I mean, when you look at gold right now, I think, you know, the general expectation from a lot of investors is, you know, inflation is up. Why is gold not up as well? But you know, when you look at gold and you look at all the drivers for gold, you know, usually it's a hedge for inflation, but also higher geopolitical or macroeconomic risk, also a weaker U.S. dollar. That's that's why people like to buy gold. Those are the things that people use it as a hedge for. 
and when you look at gold and all those different drivers, there's a lot of noise out there right now. I mean, you know, even though we have higher inflation and higher geopolitical risk, um, the U.S. has been raising rates faster than anybody, you know, aside from Canada. So because of that, you know, we are seeing um, a stronger U.S. dollar. I think a lot of Canadians may not recognize this, given that the, the Canadian dollar has been going up, you know, essentially at the same pace as well. But when you look at the U.S. dollar index, which is essentially a trade-weighted basket of the U.S. dollar versus a number of different currencies, it's up 15% year-to-date. So that's been the main headwind for gold. And that's been, you know, really the reason why gold hasn't really been a great hedge against inflation in this environment. But um, for those investors that are looking for an inflation hedge, you know, outside of gold or something that's performed really well in this inflationary environment, I think global infrastructure or listed infrastructure is a good way to hedge uh, inflation in this environment. So ZGI, which is our global infrastructure ETF, you know, that's a good way to get access to global listed infrastructure companies. Year to date, it's performed well. It's essentially bucked the trend with what we've been seeing with the fixed income market and the equity market as well. Very strong returns year to date. But a good reason for this is because, you know, when you look at the revenues of these global infrastructure companies, a lot of their revenues are essentially pegged inflation. So that's definitely helped in this inflationary environment. But overall, even when you look at, you know, infrastructure in general, uh, you look at, you know, the case for, for infrastructure, North American infrastructure is, is severely outdated. You look at a lot of the newer economies, they need infrastructure as well. So there's going to be a demand for um, infrastructure you know, infrastructure overall. But, you know, when you look at ZGI, we've been seeing a lot of institutional traction with this ETF, uh, not just because of the inflationary uh, benefits, but also because it's shown this non-correlation to equities and bonds in this environment as well. So definitely a lot of institutional interest in this ETF as a lot, uh, as well as a lot of retail advisor demand in this, uh, this one as well. But as, as I mentioned, it's a good way outside of gold to hedge inflation on the equity side of your portfolio. Join leading industry experts in person as they provide institutional ideas for a recession or recovery at the BMO ETF Forum, taking place September 28 to October 13, with two-hour events in Burlington, Vancouver, Montreal, and Richmond Hill. The forum will feature face-to-face networking opportunities for advisors, as well as trade ideas for income and equities. Space is limited. Register now at BMOETFsForum.com. All right, thanks for that update. We're going to stay with this theme for one more question. Give us a little bit of background on ZTIP, our U.S. Treasury Inflation Protected Bond ETF. How does it react when there is an inflation surprise? And of course, using current markets as an example, what are you seeing out of that ETF? Thanks. Yeah, I can take this one, Mark. And you know, inflation surprises on the upside is exactly why you'd want to use a product like ZTIP uh, within your portfolio to protect your portfolio from the impacts of, of inflation. So, you know, with with aggressive Fed policy. Uh, this year, we've seen inflation break-evens move from five to six percent to sub two percent in less than six months. So that's a very fast move, and it's a very uh, aggressive move in terms of what the market expects inflation to be in one year, two year, three years, and then further out the curve. So in this case, that that earlier in the year, the market was pricing in. 
5 to 6% inflation in one year. Uh, as we've seen the uh, Fed look or, or continue to raise rates, we've seen the market expectations of one-year inflation come down as the expectation is that this, these rising rates is going to help cool and control inflation in a, in a rather short period of time in, in, uh, in, in a one-year period. So prior to yesterday's print, the market was pricing in sub 2%. So it was about 1.75% inflation in one year, which to me, that, that, that's a quite aggressive move. And it does look like that might have, you know, over, uh, oversold uh, uh, expect, uh, inflation expectations on, on a one-year basis. Immediately after yesterday's surprise, we saw uh, one-year break-evens jump about 60 basis points to about 2.35 is where they sit right now. So what again, what, what that means is the market right now is pricing in inflation to be 2.35% in one year from now. If it is higher than that, you want to be in a product like Zed Tip. If it's lower than that, you want to be in, in this the regular um, treasury uh, security. So this is the volatility that we've been talking about. And this is why Zed Tip has been such a valuable contributor within a portfolio is because it provides that that protection from inflation surprises on the upside and allows you to protect yourself from these surprises from a portfolio context. So year to date, we've seen tips outperform U.S. Treasuries by about 4%, you know, really providing that inflation protection. And just yesterday, if you want to look at a one-day move of what uh, the one to five-year U.S. Treasuries did versus U.S. tips, you see about 30 to 35 basis points of outperformance in U.S. tips as tips repriced to reflect that higher inflation. So just that repricing alone is why you'd want to have tips in your portfolio because upside surprises is what you're getting protection from. So if you look at tips, it is, it's important to consider you know, what the market is currently pricing in in terms of break-even. So right now, again, the market is currently pricing in one-year inflation at 2.35%. So if you think CPI in one year is going to be higher than 2.35%, then you'd want to add tips to your portfolio to provide that inflation protection. So for me, I look at these levels and I still think the market is underpricing the impact of inflation. I think we're going to have inflation, higher inflation for longer, not necessarily in the, the 8% range that we saw yesterday, but I think 2.35% is still a very, very low number. And that, that's assuming that basically you know, as the Fed continues to, to, to increase rates, we're just going to see an immediate control of inflation. And, and if you look at that CPI print, there's a lot of the characteristics that are starting to exhibit sticky characteristics, which is very difficult for them to, to then drop prices. So I think um, from a, from a one-year perspective, looking at break-evens, break, uh, break I think the market is still underpricing the risk of inflation. And that ZTIP or ZTIP.F, which is the currency hedge version, uh, would be extremely attractive complement within your fixed income portfolio if you really are looking to provide that protection uh, of, of inflation. So, you know, looking, looking at the market and, and, and Mark's question was specifically like, how does it react? ZTIP will protect you from these upside surprises. If inflation does come down and the Fed is successful at it, you, you, know, you would have been better off in the just regular treasury market. But over uh, this inflationary period, dead tips have strongly outperformed treasuries. And that's why it's such a complementary piece to, a, to an overall fixed income portfolio. 
Great. Thanks for that update, Matt. I think that's really important considering the markets and how people are struggling with fixed income. Uh, certainly looking at ZTIP is a, is a great option to rebalance that portfolio. Now let's switch back to equities and the Canadian banks had a had a tougher day yesterday with our ZEB down about one and a half, one point seven percent. when does it start to look like a buying opportunity and, and what do you use to, to gauge that opportunity? Thanks. Yeah, so I think when you look at the banks right now, certainly very cheap. You know, can they get cheaper? Certainly can. But I think if you're a longer term investor, it's very rare that banks you know, trade at these valuations. So when you look at you know, the current P ratio of ZEB, it's about nine and a half times earnings right now. You compare that to the TSX, it's about 30% discount. So the way I see it is, you know, you're essentially getting the banks at a 30% discount to the market. Um, I think a lot of the investors, you know, right now they're concerned about, you know, the impacts of interest rate hikes, the impact of a softening economy. Non-performing loans will, will certainly increase. But when you look at the NPLs of the banks right now, you know, the big six Canadian banks, really it just ranges between 30 to 50 basis points of the total portfolio. So, you know, significantly less than 1%. When you look at the share prices and how they performed year to date, it's underperformed the market. Um, so I would argue that, you know, the underperformance is really just a reflection of, you know, banks recently increasing their loan loss provisions. Um, so a lot of that already has been baked into the prices already. And I think a lot of those defaults or potentially non-performing loans are already priced into the share prices. So overall, you know, when you look at the Canadian banks, I think, you know, they're, they're very prudently managed. They're independently regulated. Capital tier one ratios as, you know, a reflection of this of the big six Canadian banks around that 14 to 16% range, which is well above the OSPI minimums. And also when you compare it to the bigger, you know, U.S. banks, the U the bigger U.S. banks are around that 12 to 14 percent range. So this is a good example of how you know, Canadian banks are prudently managed. They have a lot of buffer as well. But again, you know, a, a lot with, you know, even though we're seeing a lot of this negativity with Canadian banks, forward earnings per shares on the big six Canadian banks, you know, on average, if I look on Bloomberg, are 60 percent higher than the average TSX company. So even with a lot of that negativity, you know, the earnings on banks are are expected to still be um, pretty strong. So all in all, you know, can banks get cheaper? They certainly can get cheaper. But when you look at the PE ratios and how they have traded, you know, historically, um, it's very rare that they get, you know, this cheap. Even in the 2008 financial crisis, they never got down to these levels. Um, they reached these levels briefly in April 2020. But again, you know, I, I think overall, if you're looking at the banks as a long-term investor, I think, you know, ZEB is a good way to get exposure to the big six banks. Valuations are very attractive right now. Yields on, um, you know, ZEB right now, the gross yield is about 4.7%. For those investors that want additional yield could also look at ZWB, which is the covered call version as well. So, you know, in addition to to the uh, 4.7% gross yield, you also get that um, additional yield from the covered call strategy as well, which you know typically targets another two and a half to five percent of gross yield on top of that dividend yield as well. So right now I think you know banks, as I mentioned, could certainly get cheaper, but if you're looking at it as a long-term investor, it's very rare that banks get this cheap. So over the long haul, it could be a, a very attractive buying opportunity for the banks at, at this point. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? 
Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS, or read our latest product insights. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. Certainly, a simple way to look at it is looking at the indicative yield and seeing that creeping above 4%. Uh, that is definitely thought of as an opportunity uh, with banks and with, with ZEB, our equal weight bank ETF. So just one more question that has come in this week. I think advisors scouring the market overall, thinking about potential buying opportunities. Where would you see the best bargains right now across the book if you consider both fixed income and equities? Thanks. I can start with this one on the fixed income uh, side of the portfolio. We've just from a flow perspective and, and from what we're seeing from, from investors, we're, we're definitely seeing some re- repositioning and, and some duration management on the fixed income side of their uh, portfolios. You know, I think a lot of them are looking at the flatter and now inverted yield curves in Canada and the U.S. and, and, and potentially looking to add some duration here as, as the inversion grows. And, you know, I think it, it, timing is everything in this trade. And But I, I would caution them, like, I don't, I don't think this trade is, is for the faint of heart. Uh, you know, I, as you mentioned in the first answer, there, there's definitely going to be volatility this fall. So, you know, it's something that when I look at it, it says, you know, when's the time? What's the opportunity? I, I think there's a lot of investors who are considering the long end. Is it time to put on that trade? Um, you know, and, and I, I definitely see the, the, the thesis that they're uh, they're looking at. You know, my only concern in, in that is, you know, like yesterday, those risk off catalysts, uh, you know, do lead to a rally in rates. And, you know, we definitely see the market start to reprice that recovery. We start to see, you know, those expectations of rate cuts, you know, pushed out further into further and further into 2023. And that's going to just be a continual drag on, on performance uh, until we find that that kind of crossing level and that that time where, where uh, you know, the, the Fed and Bank of Canada will have to stop rising rates and we'll, we'll, we'll stop seeing that. So for me, I I'm still concerned at these levels from an adding duration. It's definitely something that's on my radar. I suggest you continue to monitor it. But at this point, I'm still in favor of shortening my duration overall for a rather either flat and inverted curve. You're, you're, you're taking significantly less interest rate risk for uh, basically the same yield for a lot of credit. Uh, and that's something that I would look to take advantage of and insulate myself from some of the volatility uh, this uh, this fall. I'm still bullish on credit overall, uh, IG in both uh, Canada and the U.S. I, when I look at spreads relative to historical levels, um, I, I still see them meaningfully wider than the historical averages, both on five-year and 10-year averages. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, treasury yields have come up significantly, but now you're looking at, you know, ultra short-term bonds of yielding a 4% and you're looking at, you know, high quality banks yielding at five and a half. You know, those are pretty attractive yield levels and that extra yield with, with a, you know, let's say a short duration positioning should help uh, your portfolio weather some of that rate volatility that we, we, we discussed. 
Um, so I do still think there's upside here in credit. I would look at, at, at corporate bonds as a, as a time to, to get in. I think there's a, an opportunity for another 20 to 30 basis points of spread tightening, which would lead to some strong outperformance uh, in addition to that additional yield. Uh, in, in Canada, just from a product perspective, uh, you know, we have a full suite of fixed income solutions, but, you know, two that I, I, I favor, I think they, they hit three of the, the main things that you'd want to look for in, in adding a fixed income segment is ZSDB, which is our short discount bond, and ZCDB, our corporate discount bond. You know, that provides an attractive yield, lower duration, and they're, they're tax efficient from a coupon to yield perspective. So, you know, when you're really looking to add uh, allocations right now, and if you are a taxable investor, that really is a, uh, a trifecta in, in kind of really um, kind of meeting all the three, three aspects that I think are important in, uh, in your fixed income uh, portfolio right now. In the U.S., I would consider ZUS, which is our ultra short-term U.S. bond, close to 4% yield, and ZSU, which is the one to five. Again, you know, that provides a little bit more diversification uh, from a sector perspective. You are, uh, and, and from a regional perspective, providing U.S. credit. And again, very similar story in terms of I think that there's opportunities for credit spread tightening here. So on the fixed income side of the portfolio, those are, that's where I see uh, a lot of opportunity. I am monitoring the long end uh, quite closely, but right now I still want to keep myself short and, and focus on credit. And those are some ways uh, I think you could play it. Maybe I could jump in for the equities. As I mentioned, I think, you know, we're already seeing a lot of good opportunities in the equity side of the market. I talked about ZDB being a potential bargain at this point, but, you know, outside of that, we're, as I mentioned, we're, we're seeing a lot of things trade at um, pretty attractive valuations at this point. As I mentioned, you know, can, can things get cheaper with the Fed and the Bank of Canada aggressively hiking rates at this point? You know, we certainly can. Uh, but personally, you know, one area that I really like at this point is, is quality. Uh, quality is certainly, you know, underperformed uh, year to date. But to me, I, I feel like it's been unfairly punished just because of that tech overweight. So, you know, when you look at ZUQ, for example, it's about, you know, 42% um, allocated to technology. Uh, but when you look at a lot of the names in the tech space in, in ZUQ, you know, you're getting a lot of names like Google, Microsoft, Apple, Visa, and MasterCard. You know, to me, these aren't really tech companies. They're more like utility or consumer staple companies. Even when you compare the tech holdings in ZUQ versus, you know, an ETF like XLK, the debt to equity ratios are roughly half of what you find in XLK. Uh, the quick ratios are also much higher as well. So it shows that, you know, a lot of the tech companies in ZUQ are cash rich, you know, more defensive oriented, more mature companies as well. So, Overall, you know, I like ZUQ because I think if the market rebounds, if inflation starts to cool over the next month, I think technology is going to be very well positioned, meaning that, um, you know, a lot of the headwinds that we've seen in the technology space potentially turn into tailwinds. But, you know, if we continue to see inflation tick up or if we continue to see you know, inflation be persistent and the market continues to drift lower, I think, you know, if worst case scenario, you're picking up a lot of high quality companies on the cheap right now. So if you look at ZUQ, the P ratio is about 19 times earnings, uh, which is in line with the S&P 500. But when you look at quality companies, blue chip companies, historically, they've typically traded at a pretty significant premium to the benchmark. So again, I think it's a good, if you're a long-term investor, it's a good opportunity to pick up you know, high quality companies at this point. So 
in addition to the technology companies that I mentioned, uh, in ZUQ, you're also getting a lot of blue chip names like Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola, you know, Costco, Cisco, UPS, Nike. So again, a lot of high quality blue chip names. And you know, if you are looking for bargains, I think quality is a potentially a good place to look right now. Great, thanks for that update. Well, that's all the questions that have come in for this week. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Once again, we appreciate your time. Thanks, of course, to both Alfred and Matt. We appreciate the updates and covering a lot of the market and certainly keeping everyone up to speed with a, a very volatile market these days. So with that, just want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day. Thank you to Mark Rays, Alfred Lee, and Matt Montemoro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO High Quality Corporate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZQB, which provides short-term exposure to Canadian corporate bonds with a rating of A and above. Our experts also discussed the BMO MSCI USA High Quality Index ETF, ticker ZUQ, which invests in larger blue-chip technology and consumer staple companies such as Apple, Microsoft, and MasterCard. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.